Five tips to optimize your Google business profile with Greg Gifford. The In Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. Is your Google business profile fully optimized? Today's guest will help you make sure that you're taking advantage of all the key optimization opportunities that Google Business Profile offers. He's a man who graduated from Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, with a BA in Cinema and Communications, and can provide an obscure movie quote for just about any situation. He's one of the most in-demand speakers at digital marketing and automotive conferences all over the world, and is currently the Vice President of Search Marketing at Search Lab, a boutique marketing agency specializing in local SEO and PPC. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Greg Gifford. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Greg, great to have you here. Uh, great to be here, my friend. Yeah, superb stuff. Well, you can find Greg over at searchlabdigital.com. So, Greg, what's the best movie quote that represents a Google business profile? I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. I love it. And of course, I didn't tell Greg about that particular question beforehand. I knew that he could be put on the spot and come up with something. Where's that from, Greg? I got, I got that one tattooed on me right there. All out of bubble gum. It's from the movie They Live, which came out in 1988. Uh, written, directed, and scored by John Carpenter, starring the amazing Rowdy Rowdy Piper, R.I.P. Uh, really kick-ass 80s movie about consumerism and cool sci-fi movie. Best fistfight ever committed to film. Well, if you've never seen Greg speak live, you've got to take the advantage of the opportunity when you get it, because um, he'll give you probably about... 120 slides in about 20 minutes <laughs> with different movie quotes. Um, I'm sure your style hasn't changed in the last couple of years, Greg. Uh, I slowed down a little bit, but yeah, it's 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 usually about 90 to 100 for 20 minutes now. But yeah, still still fast paced, lots of jokes, lots of bad puns. <laughs> well, today you're sharing five tips to optimize your Google business profile. So starting off with number one, business name. So yeah, this is one of the most important bits. You gotta get your name right. It's ridiculously overpowered still to add additional keywords to your business name. Uh, I'm not saying that it's overpowered, go do it. You don't wanna do it because that's the quickest way to get suspended. So you wanna make sure you're using your actual business name. Don't add additional keywords because you don't wanna risk suspension because it's kind of a pain in the butt to get out of a suspension. But if you're starting a new business, then incorporate keywords in there still? Uh, for sure. If you're starting a new business, definitely think of an important phrase that would matter. But please don't do the boneheaded thing that we're seeing. Like we, we saw uh, an urgent care center named Urgent Care Near Me or a dentist named Dentist Near Me. <laughs> don't be boneheaded like that. Like that's obviously not going to work. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to do something you know, don't use near me, but, you know, use the city and, and major phrase you want to be showing up for. And that's going to be helpful. Superb. Okay. And number two is UTMs on URLs. Yeah. So big surprise. Google Analytics attribution is kind of broken. Uh, whenever referral information doesn't get past analytics, that traffic gets classified as direct. Now, most people think that 
direct means somebody typed in the URL used a bookmark, but it's really Google Analytics going, yeah, I don't really know where it came from, so it's going to go here. So if you add UTM to it and force it to be correctly attributed, then you get better data on what's going on with your organic visibility. And you want to take credit for all of the SEO work that you're doing, which would result in better visibility. So you want to make sure you've got that UTM on the URL so that it's correctly attributed in analytics. So you want to have source equals GBP or business profile or whatever, medium equals organic. Now, a lot of people will say that you should put Google as the source, organic as the medium, and then use the campaign variable to specify that it's your business profile. But I don't think that's the best way to do it because then you're going to have to drop down a secondary dimension to delineate which traffic came from where. If you use something other than Google as the source, then at the very top level, when you're going in to look at the, the source of the traffic, you can tell the difference between organic clicks and clicks that happen on your business profile or in Google Maps. And has GA4 changed the way that any of this data is displayed inside Google Analytics? Who cares? We shouldn't be using GA4 yet because it's a piece of crap. <laughs> okay, hopefully that uh, is a wonderful clip for Twitter. <laughs> wow, how can I possibly respond to that one there as well? Um, shouldn't I'm obviously moving forward. We're recording this in late uh, 2022. You know, it's going to be broadcast in um, early 2023. By summer 2023, we're getting to a stage where GA4 has to be used. Uh, I guess there's no option then, or are you a fan of perhaps even moving off and using another analytics software? No, I mean, I'm, by, by the time we all have to switch over, we'll use it. It's fine. Uh, obviously, it's kind of a, a limited beta right now. It doesn't have all the functionality that we'd all like to see in there, but they keep reiterating and adding new stuff in. So I'm sure by next summer or, well, I mean, let's be honest, Google's going to push off the date and make it later. But either way, whenever we switch over, it'll be fine when we all get there and get used to it. You know, it's, it's kind of like everything else. Whenever Google makes a major change, everybody hems and haws and makes a big deal. But then we all settle in and do it anyway, because really, that's what we're all going to do. But yeah, I mean, the, the UTMs are, are really important just so that you really have much cleaner data about what's going on. So I, I would assume it's going to work the same way with GA4. And the number three thing that you need to get right in Google Business Profile is categories. Yeah, yeah. Category choice is hugely influential on which searches you're going to show up for. So there are 10 slots. It doesn't mean you need to fill up all 10. There are some verticals out there where there are more than 10 categories that apply, but other verticals, there's maybe only one or two. And if that's the case, just pick the one or two. You don't want to choose categories that aren't really related to what you do because you're just trying to fill up those spots. You also want to be really strategic with whichever category you pick first. That primary category has a little bit more weight in that local algorithm. It's going to be a little bit more influential for visibility for searches related to that category. So it's not always the thing that you would think. Uh, you know, the example that I love to give is Ford dealers. If you're a Ford dealer in Dallas, Texas, which is the densest Ford market in the world, there's 24 dealers all in one market. You'd want to have Ford dealer as your primary category because that's what you fight the most for. But if you're a Ford dealer in Wyoming and there's not another Ford store for 200 miles in any direction, you shouldn't have Ford dealer as your primary category because you're inherently gonna rank number one for Ford dealer because there are no other options. Instead, in that case, they would want used car dealer as their primary category because that's the thing that they're fighting the most for. So you wanna be strategic and think about 
what's the best thing to choose as my quote unquote primary category. Great advice there. And if you see a Ford dealer that perhaps hasn't optimized their Google business profile at all, in terms of the biggest mistake that people make with categories is the fact that they're only selecting one category. Yeah, that, that's one of the biggest mistakes that we see across the board for any vertical really is typically there's at least one or two categories. And unless you're something really obscure, like an underwater basket weaving studio, you're probably going to have three or four categories at least that you can choose. A lot of businesses only choose one. And then even worse, the ones that only choose one typically aren't choosing the right one. So that's a really big mistake a lot of people make. Tweet Greg, everyone, and say, I'm an underwater basket weaving studio and I matter. And there's loads of us out there. If you're an underwater basket weaving studio and you're watching this, call me. I'll do your SEO for free just because it would be so rad to do SEO for an underwater basket weaving studio. Leading us up to number four, questions and answers. So the questions and answers widget got added, I think, in like late 2017. It's been around for a long time, but a lot of business owners and marketers still don't really know that it's there. People are starting to pick up on it a little bit more now that we have the in-search editing experience. But before the questions and answers was actually a community discussion widget from Google Maps that's just displayed in the business profile. So if you are only editing your business profile in the backend GMB dashboard, you never saw the questions and answers. And it allows anybody to ask your business a question and any random person can answer that question for you. But the big problem is that people that are asking questions think it's chat or some sort of instant messaging system and that somebody at the business is on the other end waiting to answer that question. And so a lot of times they're asking questions that would lead to a sale. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to lose that business. And it's kind of like the whole thing that we say about social media, that a conversation is happening about your business. You want to be there to participate and guide that conversation in the right direction. So you want to make sure you're paying attention to the questions and answers section. You want to preload a lot of questions there. People aren't going to go to your FAQ page on your site, browse through the 50 questions to see if maybe the question that they have is on your list. But they would go to the questions and answers section in your business profile and start typing something in. And the really cool thing about the way that it works, if a similar question has been asked and answered in the past, as someone is typing that question in, it will auto-complete the question and automatically supply an answer. So it's a much better pre-site experience for that potential customer. So it's hugely important. So you say you want to preload a lot of questions in there. I remember you saying to me in the past that um, you should be asking your own questions and actually answering your own questions as well. Is that something you still recommend? Yeah, for sure. So upload all of those common questions and then answer those questions. And then you need to pay attention and keep your answers upvoted. So there's like a thumbs up and a thumbs down on these questions. And because it's a community discussion widget, you can have multiple answers to any question. And the answer that's displayed as the primary answer is the question that has the most upvotes. So, you know, I've seen questions that have a couple of hundred answers. It doesn't show all 213 answers. It shows one answer and says there are 213 total answers. You can click and read the other answers if you want. So it's really important as the business owner or the marketer working at the business to keep your answers upvoted so that your answers marked as coming from the business owner are always displayed as the primary answers to the questions. Taking something to number five, Google Posts. Yeah, Google Posts are awesome. They're basically free ads that appear in search results in your Google business profile. And a lot of people dropped off of them 
several years back when they moved the position of the posts from the top of your profile to the bottom, but they still show up well and they show up really well on mobile. The big problem is most people treat them like social media and they're sharing social fluff. They're sharing the same kind of junk that they share on organic social posts on Twitter, Facebook, and that's not effective. You got to realize this is someone's first impression of your business. You need to treat it like an ad. It needs to be something promotional. It needs to be compelling. And you got to pay attention to what shows in the thumbnail because you've got a whole lot of text that you can write and a big image or even a carousel of images. But Google's going to crop that image down to a smaller version of the image and then just show a few lines of text. So you've got to make sure that that thumbnail is compelling because if the thumbnail is not compelling, nobody's going to click on it and then nobody will see the post and it's wasted effort. But if you do it well, it can be really effective. And a couple of quick follow-up questions in relation to Google Posts. So first of all, how often should you be posting? And secondly, where will that post content surface? Uh, so for instance, uh, will it only surface for people who are actively searching for your brand or your business? Or will people that perhaps have engaged with your Google business profile in some way previously somehow be alerted to the fact that you have actually published a post? No, yeah. It just shows on your profile. So it's something that okay. really is just there that shows on your profile. And how often just kind of depends on how often you have something important to say that's, again, compelling and promotionally focused. A lot of people have the cadence of posting once a week because posts used to only be visible for a week before they would disappear. But now they're visible for six months. So if you have something really compelling and awesome, you don't have to post every week. You could post twice a year. And that one post is going to show because if you have more than one post live at a time, it turns into a little carousel and only two will show on the profile and then people have to scroll through and that doesn't usually happen. So you want to kind of be careful and not bury your important stuff by having a cadence of, well, let's post every week, but you've only got one thing that's compelling and the rest sucks. You bury your compelling post and it doesn't do anything. So you want to think about that and consider, you know, do you really need to put something up every week? Maybe it's once a month, maybe it's once every two months, maybe it's twice a year, who knows? Great advice there. So essentially, if you've got something important coming up in terms of a sale, perhaps, then it's a good time to submit a Google post and make sure you're submitting a Google post at least once every six months. Otherwise, the, the, the post will disappear. Yep, yep. Okay, well, let's move on to the Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a letdown because people are expecting something like super amazing. But for me, I think having a really solid audit process is the key. Because so many people nowadays don't really put in the work to examine things and do that analysis on the front end and they just jump in and start doing SEO. And if you just jump in and start doing SEO and you didn't figure out what's broken and what the weak points are first, how are you supposed to prioritize your efforts? So having, uh, it doesn't have to be a crazy in-depth audit. Like we've got a really awesome little audit that we use that looks at the homepage, the about us page and two product or service pages. Then it looks at inbound links, it looks at your Google business profile, and it looks at reputation management. So it would be reviews on Google and reviews on Yelp and how you respond to those reviews. I can do that entire audit in about seven and a half minutes. And it uncovers so many problems that now, sure, you'd probably figure those things out if you looked at it. But now we do this with every client right off the bat. So it's a quick game plan of, all right, 
here are the things that with this audit, quick audit process, we see these are the big problems. Now, obviously with the new client, we're gonna do a much more in-depth audit, but doing the quick audit first kind of gives you some direction of what you really need to dig into, but it also lets you come back and say, all right, cool, after a month or two, let's run the quick audit again and see if we've improved things and, and fixed all of that. So having a really solid audit process at the beginning really informs everything else that you're gonna be doing for a very long time. And does the actual audit produce results? No, but the work that you do after that audit is so much more effective if you've kind of concentrated your efforts on what the weak points are at the beginning. Great advice, auditing is key, listener. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Greg Gifford over at searchlabdigital.com. Greg, thanks so much for being on the In Search SEO podcast. Ah, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com. Hey.